Hey there, welcome to today's episode of Verity Vitamins. I'm excited to be um, back in some decent audio quality coming to you. I appreciate everybody who listened when um, I was recording at home and the quality wasn't as high. Um, but I have been in a series in the Verity Vitamins segment. Uh, it's a new series that we started entitled Poor No More. And what I really have in my heart to talk about in this series is what the Bible has to say about coming out of poverty. And the first thing we talked about in last week's episode is establishing God's will in the matter. Because it doesn't matter how many principles we talk about in coming out of poverty, if you don't believe it's God's will for you to come out of poverty, you've got nothing to stand on. You've got no foundation to step on to come out. And that's the first foundational truth that we have to understand. But in today's episode, I want to talk about what I would consider to be the first principle of coming out of poverty. And even though it wasn't the first podcast I did on it, it's still what I would consider the first principle. And I want to pick up where I left off in last week's episode in Deuteronomy chapter 8, and I'm going to read it a little bit more thoroughly, and we'll get into the rest of the episode. Uh, It says that um, every commandment, this is in verse 1, every commandment that uh, I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply. So what's the result going to be of following his commandments? Living and multiplying. Why would he give you a commandment that would lead to that? Because that's his will for you. And he says that you may go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. You know, there are some tests that God allows us to walk through to let us know things. You know, God already knows our heart, (laughs) and he already knows what we're going to do. And there's a lot of things that when he tests us, it's to let us know things. (laughs) it's to let us know that he's our source and our provider. It's to let us know that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And he said, your garments didn't wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. And you should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord God chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Well, that's good news. That's where he's bringing you if you're following him. He's never going to lead you into a bad land. Now, that doesn't mean he won't lead you to go somewhere to help somebody in a bad land, but that's not your final destination. You understand? He led them through the wilderness, but he's leading them to the promised land. And he said, a land of brooks, of water, and of fountains, and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, and a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig brass. And when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full, 
and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply, notice he said when, not if, and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. When your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and a thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good to you in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gained me this wealth. But he said, instead, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. The second thing I want to talk about, but it's really the first principle of coming out of poverty, is honoring God with your wealth and putting him first. And the reason why I read that whole passage to you, because it tells us where God wants to take us. But one of the big problems is people forgetting where God brought them from and not remembering who gave them the power to get what they have. And one of the ways that we remind ourselves is by honoring the Lord with the first fruits of all our increase and putting him first with the tithe. And this isn't just about some religious practice. It's about remembrance. It's about returning to God and saying, Lord, I remember where this came from. And it helps us to not forget. Now, you can tithe and forget. <laughs> you can do it religiously. But the right way to tithe is in remembrance. And the reason you do it is remembering God, putting him first in a thing. What you do first, you tend to remember. You know, if you push it off till the last thing, then you are, you are in danger of forgetting it. And so one of the, the biggest things we need to talk about with coming out of poverty is remembering who gives you the power to get wealth. Many people get into a place where they're doing okay, but then they start acting like they got themselves there. And they take on the weight and the burden and the pressure of keeping themselves there. And they end up going down because they're not the ones that, that got themselves to that place in the first place. Now, keep in mind, he said he gives you the power to get wealth, which means we have a part to play in it. But it's not our power and our might that got us there. And one of the things we can do to help us stay in a place of remembrance is returning the tithe and doing it first. Honoring God with the first fruits of all our increase. In Matthew 6, 31 and 33, he said, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You say, Ben, I've heard that verse a lot. I hear it all the time. Well, good, you heard it again. Uh, what this is that we're talking about is the number one principle of coming out of poverty is seeking first the kingdom, putting God first, not only in your finances, but every area of your life, honoring the Lord with the first, with the first fruits, putting him first. Why? 
It's remembering him. And it's not limited to just paying tithes on my paycheck. When I seek the success of the kingdom and of God's purposes and God's mission, I'll prosper and have good success in all that I do because I'm attached to something that is doing good. (laughs) I'm attached to something successful. And prosperity is on the path and in the plan of fulfilling my kingdom purpose. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what have we robbed you? And he said, In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for the Lord, uh, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord. One thing that I think people miss in this is that he didn't say, I will open the windows of heaven and rain money down on you. (laughs) He didn't say that. That's what a lot of people hear. But money is not the blessing. The blessing can and will add money to you, but that's not what the blessing is. The blessing has to do with success, things working well, going well. And you can have money and it still be subject to the curse. But putting God first by acknowledging Him has to do with giving Him access into your financial affairs. It's an open door. And the big thing in this passage is not about a reoccurring donation every week. It's about honor, and it's about access, and it's about not robbing God. So what is robbing God? Well, it's not just about robbing Him of money. (laughs) It's about robbing Him of His place in your life that He should hold. And it's about forgetting him. The place of honor. That's the heart behind this passage. And leaving his things empty and desolate, leaving them forgotten. Because you forgot what he did for you. And you forgot where he brought you from. Look at this in Haggai verse 1. In chapter chapter 2 verse 1, excuse me. It says, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses, and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord, Consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put it into a bag with holes." Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew and the earth withholds its fruit. And what's he talking about in this? This is more than just vacuuming the church. (laughs) It's finding out what pleases God and what glorifies Him and doing that with your whole heart first. It's about not forgetting His things and leaving them by the wayside and failing to acknowledge Him in your life. 
failing to remember who brought you into the place that you are. You see that? In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Now, there's a connection here between robbing God of something and neglecting his things, neglecting what really matters to him. Do you see that? Jesus is saying, you did the technical thing, but you neglected something that really mattered to him, that was really close to his heart. Why? Because you forgot about it. You forgot him. You didn't remember him and where he brought you to. And as a result, the things that really matter to him are getting neglected. This has to do with what we're talking about, putting him first. And yes, it is directly connected to us honoring him with the first fruits of all our increase and the tithe. But Jesus is revealing here that it's deeper than just that. It's about not neglecting what matters to God, not neglecting him, putting him first. He said, don't leave the others undone. In other words, you can get caught up in the technicality of a thing and forget about the heart of it. And that's what God doesn't want. Seeking first the kingdom of God is waking up every day and asking the Lord, what will please you the most today? What can I do for you today? Help me not to rob you of anything today that you want done, that you want me to do. It's finding out what's on God's heart and seeking to please him above all else. Look in this in Isaiah 58. Uh, it says, uh, we'll start in verse 6. It says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked that you cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the fever, fever, finger and speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a water garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And those from among you shall build the old waste places. There it is. What is that? That's taking care of the things that got neglected and got forgotten about. You know, if your stuff has been sitting in ruins because you couldn't afford to get it fixed or didn't have the time or the ability to get it fixed, what should you look for? The things that belong to God that have been neglected and that have been sitting in ruins. That's what Haggai is all about. Now, I started out talking about the tithe, and that's important, but now he's talking about the fast I have chosen. In a second here, he talks about the Sabbath day. Um, you know, you can get really religious about the Sabbath day, but Jesus said, is it not lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Um, there is an important truth of resting, 
But that doesn't mean you can't do good on the Sabbath. And that has to do with relieving heavy burdens and ministering to people. But when things are neglected that God cares about, it can directly lead to us having things in our life that gets neglected and not taken care of. But if you start taking care of his things and building the old waste places of his, then it gives God access to start enabling you to do that in your own life. And you'll see the reflection of it. He said, you'll raise up the foundations of many generations. And uh, he goes on to say, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure. What is this? Putting him first, remembering him, acknowledging him, honoring him, giving him the place he deserves in your life, and not robbing him of that. And not speaking your own words, that was all stuff I added, now I'm reading scripture again. Nor speaking your own words, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the inheritance of Jacob. What's the heart behind what he's saying in these passages? Not robbing him of his place. It's not just about cutting a check every week. It's not just about an automatic reoccurring donation every week. It's about a heart that puts him first and remembers that he's the one that gave you everything that you have. And it's about not robbing him of his place in your life and not allowing yourself to get into this state where you're seeking your things and concerned about your things, but his things are getting neglected. His people are getting neglected. His work is getting neglected and sitting by the wayside, half done, half, half finished with things, weeds growing on it. You understand? That's not okay. And if we see that and we become aware that God's things are getting neglected and shoved off to the side and set aside, that's a problem. And if we'll honor God by giving him the place of honor he deserves and putting first his things and refusing to neglect his things, that gives him a window of access to pour the blessing on our things so our things won't be neglected, so our things won't be sitting in ruins by the wayside, forgotten. Do you see that? If we'll honor him, it'll open a window of blessing to us.